them, for her, but one that takes real courage, and they're taking her up there today. So if you know Abel and Lisa, maybe you want to send them a message later and just say you're praying for them, you're thinking of them uh, as they leave their beautiful 11-year-old daughter behind for the, the next half term ahead. Uh, we're going to carry on this morning with our Healthy Church series that we kicked off last week. Um, if, I know many of you are away last week or coming back from holidays, that kind of stuff. Uh, we're teaching through this term on healthy disciples, making healthy church. We started in John 15. We'll carry on there actually today, uh, recognizing that, that our ability to remain in Jesus Christ and in the richness of his promises is where we find the true measure of, of kingdom success and fruitfulness. I've got some, uh, some of the sheets left over from last week. If you didn't get to take one on a spiritual health checklist, um, you can take one away. I'll leave them at the, the back as we finish. You can listen again by the wonders of, uh, of the online world. Um, and today we carry on with healthy community. Funnily enough, we wanted to teach on this a little today as we move into our small group launch. You hear the heart there of Neil and Tracy. It's the heart of a, of a shepherd as, as Tracy O'Neill said, I think, uh, and certainly it's the heart of Jesus for his people. We, we have healthy community. It's great, but we want healthier community. Um, really grateful to so many of you. Uh, we had a, a barbecue after we welcomed uh, new members last Sunday. Uh, so many stayed for food in the sunshine. Thank you for everyone who helped in feeding hundreds. Uh, and, and then um, maybe 40 people or so stayed uh, until around five o'clock is doing jobs around the building. It was, it was so good to work together, to serve together, to build friendship together, uh, to do it with real fun and laughter as well. Uh, some jobs done in the, in, the, in the gardens, the grounds out the back, uh, getting the jungle tots area ready for the new term for our parent and toddlers group, and also some work inside on our Connect welcome room. Thank you to everyone who's been involved in that and will be involved in that. We just found it a really helpful day. Uh, we're going to do three of those through the year. Uh, we'll let you get, get some dates in your diary for the, the future ones. Uh, well worth doing. And again, uh, I think Neil mentioned the, the week of prayer and fasting. These are just the engine room for us in church life, coming at the start of each term. And uh, we start next Sunday. It's, it's a real, I felt, um, as we've been talking and praying for a number of months now about this week of prayer, it's a real pivotal uh, even a pivotal Sunday, actually, in terms of what we're going to share, uh, the shape that we have for um, the, the week, really sensing as, as, as we make a fresh start in this building, uh, seeking to serve God in the town with the gifts he's given us. And so we're going to be looking prophetically at some of the words that were brought by Biro and the Brazilian team that were with us earlier in the year, a prophetic word Lewis brought at our um, uh, prayer and vision night at the start of the summer, and just looking and asking the question before the Lord, what's he put in our hands? Who are we? How can we serve his kingdom mission in this town? That's you and I as individuals. And also asking the question, what have we got in this house? Uh, and looking around one another as a church uh, and discovering together with fresh faith and fresh vision, what are the unique ministries, mercy ministries, acts of kindness, um, areas of kingdom mission and breakthrough that God's called us uniquely to play our part in, in this town of Cruelly. So we're going to open up some of that from next Sunday uh, and a number of opportunities to pray that through in evenings through the week uh, as well. Um, finally as well, while I'm on my feet, just, just giving you some preamble, had uh, some great phone conversations in the last couple of weeks with Joseph and Lillian Wheeler, uh, who lead all the kind of New Frontiers world in, in uh, Zambia, Tanzania, Congo. Uh, Joseph and Lillian are with us. Uh, we're going to do our Equip Weekend 
uh, over the 5th to the 7th of October, so just a month this weekend, meeting with them on the Friday night, the Saturday night, and, and with us here on the Sunday morning. Joseph and Lily have been so, so helpful to us over the years, and uh, uh, both here and in other churches where we've been leading prior to here in our relationship with them. They've been so helpful, particularly in the areas of healing, deliverance, freedom, uh, and so they're going to come and do some teaching on that. Have we decided to call it Break Every Chain yet, or have we still not got us? Something like that. And that we just launched the name. Uh, there we go. It's a committee decision. Uh, all those in favour? There we go. That's, that's fine. That's enough. Um, so uh, they're going to be with us over that weekend. Oh, boy, what a powerful breakthrough weekend that's going to be. Um, we've been praying for that already, uh, but please mark that in your diaries. Be ready just to participate. Come ready to see what the Lord will do as he moves us forward. Um, with greater freedom into the things that he's called us to. So, healthy community. Um, let me pick up from where we left off last week. And Kaz and I are going to tag team this for the next few minutes before we pray together and finish this morning. By the way, we normally have our, our prayer meeting on the second Sunday um, of the month, but because of the week of prayer and fasting, we'll, we'll start all that business next, next uh, week. Um, so, don't turn up here this evening unless you want to pray in the car park outside a locked building. Um, we left off at John 15, um, 8 uh, last week, looking at the idea of even more fruit uh, for healthy lives as healthy disciples in a healthy church. I'm going to pick up at John 15, verse 9. Father, would you help us, please, this morning? We thank you for these songs that are focused on the, the love that the Father and the Son have for us. We thank you we've heard that love expressed through Tony's testimony and uh, even the way he spoke to Chris in a dream and Neil and Tracy's heart as they've urged us like a mother hen to come and gather into healthy, life-giving community under the headship of the Lord Jesus. God, would you speak to us over these next few minutes through your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. John 15, 9, Jesus speaking. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Wow, we could preach a series on that verse. For everything I've learned from my father, Jesus says, I've made known to you. That's just leapt out at me now. That wasn't even in my uh, text for this morning. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name, this is my command, love each other. We are made for healthy community. The, the very beginning of the big story of the Bible uh, in uh, the book of Genesis uh, teaches us that, that we, men and women, are made in the image of God. Um, what does the image of God look like with regard to community? Again, we get a, an idea from the scriptures that the Father, the Son, the Spirit have lived together in perfect eternal friendship. They always have and they always will. And somehow, perfectly, that was displayed through the first family, Adam and Eve, their relationship with God. You read about how they walked with him in the cool of the evening. They were naked. They, there was no shame and sin between them and no shame and barrier between them and God. It was perfectly healthy community in the beginning. 
but it was distorted and broken by sin. We were separated from um, healthy community with God and with one another through sin. The Bible teaches as we move into the New Testament that we are all in Adam until we get to be in Christ. Um, Now, through the finished work of Jesus, the Bible points to him as being the perfect Adam, uh, the representative for all of us who invites us back into a, a loving, mutual, healthy relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. This passage we've read today shows us we're called into friendship with Jesus. We've been moved into a position in Christ, the Apostle Paul teaches us. And Jesus says he's, he's chosen us, you and me. Look around, the folks in this room that are following Christ, he's chosen us to remain in him and to remain in this this joyful, secure, happy love in Jesus. That's quite good news, isn't it, I think? I I thought so. I thought it deserved an amen. Um, I know when you read John's writing, he he kind of writes around in circles. I have to read John's gospel and some of the ways that he quotes Jesus' teaching a number of times just to get the layers uh, of what he's saying. So we're we're commanded to experience God's love. That's extraordinary. Um, And not only to experience his love towards us and and to express our love towards him, um, but we're commanded outwardly to show this love that we're receiving and giving to God to one another. Um, And Jesus' example is our pattern for what our love for one another is to look like. Verse 12, we read Jesus saying these words, Love each other as I have loved you. If you want an impossible command, there it is for you in the scriptures. This command to love each other isn't just set on its own, love each other. It has a second part, as I have loved you. If you thought it was hard enough to love one another, you're then required to love one another in the way that Jesus has loved you and loved me. It's extraordinary. How has Jesus loved us? Because we need to understand that if we're to understand how we're to express love to one another. Verse 9 is the answer. Jesus has loved us the way the Father has loved him. You're getting some of John's teaching circles here. In other words, Jesus has been loved by the Father perfectly. We're to love one another in that way. Friends, I think we need the help of the Holy Spirit if we're to love one another. But what joy and glory is released when we do so, even imperfectly. So verse 9 of John 15 says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. I don't think there is a richer, more securing, more undeserving statement in the whole Bible than that verse 9 of John 15. If you read over into John 17, you can do that for your homework if you like. Jesus is praying. He's speaking to his heavenly Father. He's praying for his disciples. He's saying, Father, you've loved them, the disciples, by extension, you and I. Father, you've loved them even as you've loved me. Verse 26 of John 17, Father, the love you have for me may be in them, and I pray that I myself may be in them. It's an extraordinary prayer that Jesus prays. If you're hearing those words for the first time this morning, or if, like me, you need to hear them and process them over and over again, let's just unpack them for a moment. In the John 17 prayer, we have Jesus confirming that he loves us in the same way that he's been loved by the Father, and in John 15 as well. We have Jesus confirming that the Father has loved us uh, in the same way that he's loved his son, Jesus. And in both these prayers, John 15 and 17, we have Jesus confirming that the love the Father has for him can be in each of us as well. Indeed, Jesus, who is the the carrier of that love, the, the personification of that love, 
Jesus himself will come and be in us. They're, I mean, they're just staggering. Is anyone else having a bit of a mind moment just trying to understand the, the, the staggering truth there that we meditate on? It's, it's so deep and rich that this Father's eternal love that's been pointed like a, a, a passionate hot spotlight on Jesus for eternity. That same eternal relentless love is now turned, spotlighted onto us. It's shared with us. It's poured into our hearts. In fact, it's carried to us by Jesus himself who reveals this love to us in in his nature and his action. Amen. Uh, amen. Well done, Tony. And what's extraordinary, I mean, we heard a bit of Tony's testimony this morning, it's so good to have testimonies. Some of you are amazing tellers of your stories, both within and outside of the church. And if we think of any of our stories, all this is true, that the unrelenting love of God has been focused on each one of us, and yet we look at our own lives and realise we're so undeserving, so unworthy to receive this kind of unconditional love. I love the way Brennan Manning writes, he calls us fakes and wannabes, We've been looking at Genesis 27 again this week at Jacob, um, the deceiver. He, if you don't know this story, he put on his elder brother's clothing and pretended to be his older brother, assumed his likeness in order to steal the birthright blessing from his father. And we, we can be like those who've clothed ourselves in another's likeness, our perfect elder brother's likeness. We, we, we follow Jesus. We looked a little at it last week with our kind of weak and watered down religion, even our kind of idolatry sometimes. We're trying to steal a blessing. We're hoping we can gain somehow the love from the Father that we know, honestly, isn't rightfully ours. And not only steal it, but we're stealing it from the true Son who has deserved it and received it down through the ages. But the Gospel tells us we're not involved in some crazy act of theft but that the true son willingly carries the father's love to us. It's, it's like you're sitting at a table in an expensive restaurant and you know you can't afford anything on the menu. Anyone ever taken a lady out and had that moment of panic? Uh, and, and the waiter comes, Jesus himself comes, and he carries the most perfect meal to the table. And we realise that's his meal and he's brought it over to us. And then when you've filled yourself on that and gorged yourself on that and you think, oh, I couldn't, oh, go on, I'll have a look at the dessert menu, um, but I couldn't eat a thing. He brings over his own dessert as well at that point. This is the gospel, if I can boil it down to restaurant menus. Um, we've been so far from being ready or right for the revelation of the Father's love. We've not received it through any kind of work of our own, any kind of... Uh, hoping to confuse God by pretending to be religious and clothing ourselves in religious activity. Now, Jesus Christ willingly shares who he is and all that he has with us. We were at a wedding uh, a couple of weeks ago, and if, you, if you're in an English wedding, you hear the wedding vows, the, the, the new husband and wife at the front, all that I am, I give to you, all that I have, I share with you. And uh, in that moment, a profound moment. There's an echo, rightly an echo, uh, of all that Jesus Christ has done and is doing and will do for his church. That's why weddings really do point to the, the, the wedding of the church of Jesus Christ, uh, him as the bridegroom. He's given everything to us. He shared everything with us. He really is, in the, in the prodigal story, the Luke 15 story, he's the perfect elder brother. In that story, Jesus told, he spoke about a, an imperfect elder brother who who while his younger brother wasted his father's inheritance early, the elder brother stayed outside in his per perfect disapproval. Um, this, this 
alternative older brother who Jesus really is. And that story points to, he's the one who actually goes after the younger brother. He travels to the dirt of the city, goes to the filth of the pig farm. He goes to retrieve our, our wayward, rebellious hearts. Even before we've turned to look longingly over our shoulders at home and the warmth and safety and rejoicing of our Father's house. That's who Jesus is and what he's done. No wonder Paul is right to exclaim, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. John's right when he declares, Behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Uh, I was talking with Bill this week and we were talking hymns. I've been caught up in the old Wesley hymn, And Can It Be? He left his Father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace, emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all, immense, and free for oh my god it found out me i'm not going to sing it to you but i want to even as i say it you can't say a hymn like that without singing it so uh, it, even before we look at what healthy community looks like we, we we have to look at how jesus has loved us because he says that's how we're to love one another but it ought to leave us in a place of worship and joy and gladness and adoration this this infinite mystery of the depths and riches of the love that the Father has lavished on the true Son, that they in turn have poured into us, that we in turn get to share with one another. And those verses do sit together. Back in John 15, verse 9, verse 13, verse 17, let me remind you of them. As the Father's loved me, so have I loved you. Verse 13, as I've loved you, love one another. Verse 17, in case you've missed it, love one another. Okay, and in between, he talks about having chosen us, appointed us, calling us to obedience, saying that that's where we'll find fruitfulness on our mission as we live for him. That's where we get our prayers answered within this perfect community of love. It's all dependent on us being first and foremost rooted in the love of Christ and beginning to demonstrate this Christ-like love for one another. That's where all our fruitful living comes from. I think we've got a really healthy, attractive Message. We can think today in the, the tide of kind of 21st century Western culture that our message isn't relevant anymore. There are 7 billion people on the planet and many of them are very lonely and are outside authentic relationships. Even in the UK, there are over 1 million people over the age of 65 who can go a week without even talking to anyone. Uh, the second highest group in surveys who report loneliness and a sense of abandonment are those in their 20s which is extraordinary, isn't it? Connected with thousands of friends on social media, but with very few meaningful relationships, never felt so alone and outside. Into that culture, Jesus says, as the fathers love me, so I've loved you, love one another. We're created to experience authentic relationships with Jesus and with one another. I, I think the gospel is one of real hope for today. We follow a saviour who loves friendship, who created for his disciples a mission that was rooted in friendship and community. Our small groups are not just safe healing places for us, they're places of mission, but they're mission around safety, security, friendship, life-giving, uh, belonging. Um, they're never built around structure and management and, and duty. With every team, whether it's a small group team, our eldership team, our staff team, um, any of our leadership 
teams, our culture is friends first around Jesus Christ. That's what we're grappling to try and do. It's exactly how Jesus worked. He called his disciples to be with him. He calls them his friends in this passage. He ate with sinners. He even welcomed his enemies around the table at times. And the early church followed that pattern. They wouldn't have used this word, but they demonstrated outrageous inclusivity and diversity in the kinds of friendships that they offered and the kind of love of Jesus that they poured out. Um, That's what a commitment to Jesus in faith and obedience brings us to, to love one another and to love those who we would say are outside of God's promises right now, to offer hospitality, to generously welcome anyone from any background in any situation into our lives together and into our lives as individuals. And we do so knowing that every time we open up our lives because of our love for Jesus to others, we'll find, funnily enough, that we get loads of opportunities to practice giving and receiving forgiveness, because <laughs> we're going to get it wrong. We'll finally get loads of opportunities to learn how to keep our heart attitudes pure towards one another, because in true healthy community, those opportunities will be created. And so we work it out here in a real commitment to Jesus, not just on our Sundays, with our structures, with our meetings, not just in our small groups, which are a microcosm of the kind of culture we're talking to about, but in our own lives as well. If you're single, if you're married... If you're old or young, if you're rich or poor, each one of us gets to work out the implications of this kind of community, gospel community, in all its imperfection. It's what we're made for. Back at the beginning in Genesis, Jesus said it's not good for men and women to be alone. The gospel brings us into a right relationship with God, shows us how to live in right relationship with one another in the light of that good, good news. And it's how we'll best demonstrate this secure, healthy community love to the world. Kaz is going to look at some practical application. Do you want this? Great stuff. Let's welcome Kaz. And I'll get out of the way. Okay. So I'm going to take a little look at community. So what is community? Um, I'm looking at a community here, out in front of me. Now, community is a group of people that uh, might live in the same place or have a particular characteristic in common, or it's the condition or sharing having um, certain attitudes and interests in common. Now, we don't all live in the same place, do we? So we don't fit into that category, but we have Jesus in common, which is fantastic. We have Jesus. So why should we? build our community. Now I'm going to have a quick scoot through. We're not, they're not just helpful thoughts, but actually these are what the Bible teaches us. So a community is encouraging. I'm going to have a look through various scriptures. They're going to hopefully pop up. Um, Galatians 6 is the first one we'll look at. Galatians 6 verse 2. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Wow. So in order for us to have real encouragement amongst our community here, we need to share our lives, don't we? 
How on earth can we share each other's burdens if we don't share our lives? We've got to spend time together, whether that be physically, whether that be on the phone, we've got to share our lives together. And I think that's why Hebrews clearly instructs us to keep meeting together. And in doing this meeting together, we get to develop and nurture ourselves. We grow as followers of Jesus. But when we're sharing our lives with people who are who maybe are less mature in their walk with Jesus. We've got the opportunity to give of ourselves, but also we have the delight, too, of learning from others. It's definitely a two-way thing. We do need to commit to grow together in a loving community, don't we? Now, if you've been around a little while, around church, you'll be able to think of plenty of examples of how community has supported you. There would have been times where you've been lifted up. There would have been times that you've been cared for. Maybe you moved house and someone came and brought you a meal. Or maybe someone packed some boxes for you. Maybe you've been cried with when you're low, when you're sad, Someone's come alongside you and cried with you and held you up. Maybe you've been laughed at or laughed with. It's okay. You've been spurred on. Have you had someone come up alongside you and say, come on, you can do this. Keep standing. I know that that has been so helpful for me in days gone by. When people have come alongside me and said, we're with you, keep going. Now, also in our community, I believe we need to be admonished too. Something that I believe we don't find very easy. Whether that is actually doing the admonishing or receiving. We don't find it easy, do we? But actually, in the giving and receiving, within a framework of love, it's vital for our growth. Because if you think about it, if we leave sin in our lives, we allow the devil to actually take up authority within us. And we don't want that. We want growth in Jesus. We need correction. We need affirmation. We need godly counsel. So community is encouraging. Community also brings joy. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. I'd like to say that that doesn't exclude the female of the species. So it is also wonderful and pleasant when sisters live in harmony too. Amen. (laughs) We can take a look at Jesus' time on this earth. When he walked amongst man, he gathered community around himself. But actually, if you look at it in the Gospels, it wasn't forced It wasn't dutiful. They weren't serving a master out of fear. And actually, we can count ourselves in that too. We are his friends too. We are not slaves nor servants. And it's in that culture that we have a friendship that we can love each other. 
And it's this release of joy in our unity together that is attractive. When people look in and see this attractive community that is fun, that has laughter, that shares lives. We can glimpse Jesus, can't we, in the four Gospels, in the first four books of the New Testament. Jesus living alongside his disciples. It wasn't that intensive discipleship teaching times all the time. He laughed with his friends. He walked with them and he talked with them. He even had nicknames for some of his, those men. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which is a great name, Jesus gave them a nickname, the Sons of Thunder. We can only presume it was something to do with their characters, fiery men. He knew them. Jesus knew the men he walked with. And we can see through the gospel accounts that other people then joined the early church because they saw something of this deep love and joy together. Now, we know that Jesus doesn't walk this earth anymore as a man, but community also attracts the presence of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 18, verse 20 says, For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. So whenever believers gather together, the Holy Spirit is present. Remember the Hebrews 10 passage from earlier encouraged, encouraged us to keep meeting together. The early church had this pattern of meeting together. They ate, they worshipped in their homes. If we look at Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47, it says, They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Can I just say that again? Each day, that's quite something, isn't it? Each day. So in our communities together, we can expect and welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in the same way, he will minister to us within our community. In our times together, let's eat. Let's not worry about fine dining, but share our lives around a table with food and the Lord's Supper or communion. Now, I know that there have been plenty of times I have got caught up with this issue of people coming for dinner. What am I going to cook? I'm not good enough. She's a really good cook and I'm not. Oh, no. It's not about that. It's about being together. If it's baked beans, that's okay. It's about being together around a table. So community enables life-giving love. Yeah. Colossians 3, verses 13 to 15. I like this one. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always 
be thankful. It's quite big, isn't it? There's a lot in that little passage. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive. Remember, we have been forgiven. Live in perfect harmony. And always be thankful. Fantastic. Romans 12, 4 and 5. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, that's us, the church. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So above everything else, we should prize love for each other out of our primary love for Jesus Christ. And that should be our highest goal. Because if we remember the Mark 12 passage that Steve slightly referred to, well, no, not directly, but you erred on it, which I thought you were going to take my point. (laughs) Jesus tells us that the most important commandment is that we must love the Lord our God with everything. And we have uh, the second part, love your neighbor as yourself. It is a great point. (laughs) Jesus says that there is no other commandment that is greater than these. Love covers so much. If we love like Jesus in our community, we'll be strong. In our community, in our small groups, in our wider church together, we must tick this box, mustn't we? Don't you think? To love one another. And in doing this, we'll have a healthy church. We'll be able to grow and bear fruit. And as we're a part of this body together with Jesus as our head, we need to love and care and nurture one another. So let me encourage you to join one of these communities, to be a part of this larger community whether it's your first time here, whether you've been here many times, whether you have just returned today, whether you are sitting there thinking, she's not talking about me. Yes, I am. Let's be a part together. Um, This morning isn't a sales pitch for small groups. Um, Well, it it is, but it it really isn't. If, if, If you've said... You know, we sing the words in the songs. Um, if we've really signed up to follow Jesus, then we've signed up to be part of his community. That's, uh, we're, we're not into powers of persuasion, salesmanship. Yeah, we thank God for great structure and opportunities to, to, to renew small groups. But really, we've made a covenant before God and before one another um, to say that in the way I've been loved by Jesus, I'm going to learn to love each of you. Um, and you get to say that back to me as well. And Really, that's, uh, what we're saying this morning is far greater than just, oh yeah, find a small group. Find a small group is, a, is a, an outworking, an application of it. Um, but first and foremost, it's find Jesus, find his love, become a happy worshipper of him. And out of that, out of obedience to him in that, then we begin to love in the same way. Why don't you stand up? When you look at a, a teaching like this that we've, we've done between us this morning, the application is pretty simple. Join a small group. Community is a really important part of that application. Take a brochure. Talk to one of the small group leaders. 
or with one of the mentors or grab Neil and Tracy over tea and coffee. Um, try some things. Um, but more than anything, Lord Jesus, as we've heard this morning, in our, even in our worship time, we, would you, we, we sang it fairly early on. Would you open our eyes to see and to know your love? I was talking with someone earlier when we were praying before the meeting. They were telling us that they've, their eye prescription has changed. They don't need their glasses in the same way anymore. And I realized they can see things more clearly. And Lord, our prayer is that we would see you more clearly. We'd see your love. We'd experience your love. I pray for every disciple in the room here. They would see and know and experience the depths and the heights and the riches of the love of God, this perfect love between Father, Son, and Spirit that is poured into our hearts. I pray for each one here. Lord, we don't even want the mechanics of small group life without really truly knowing that we're loved by you and able to love one another. We'll just have a mechanical small group life. Lord, would you oil it all by being the head of this body and pouring your love down into us, we pray. So, God, more than anything, this is a sermon about worship. We pray, make us happy worshippers of Jesus Christ. God, catch our hearts up in that. Speak to each one of us. Even this week, Lord, as we approach the week of prayer, we, we pray you'd show yourself to us and pour your love into our hearts. Lord, those that have felt far from you, that feel like they've not heard your voice or encountered you in the word or in prayer for some time, come alongside them this week, just as you did, Lord. Remind us that you call us your friends. Come and eat with us. Come and bring a meal to our table. Come and serve us, Lord, out of your deep, rich love for us. So we invite you, God, to pour your love into our hearts that we might truly love one another. Lord, where we need to forgive, where we need to let go, where we need to pull up roots of bitterness. God, would you speak to our hearts, convict us of our sin if you need to. Lord, we do truly want to, we, we agree together, we covenant together because of the blood of Jesus shed on the cross that we, we want to learn how to love each other as you've loved us. And Lord, if we're really truly going to play our part along with the other groups of believers around the town in reaching this town with the good news of Jesus, God, would you help us surely to live more loving lives towards one another. We invite you, be at work in our community. Thank you, Jesus. And just while we've got our eyes closed and, uh, and our hearts fixed on Jesus, I don't want to miss that uh, uh, story. Uh, Tony just mentioned his story briefly and then Chris shared his dream earlier. And uh, again, in a room like this, probably most here already are followers of Jesus, but I, I don't know your hearts. I can't see your hearts. If there, if there are any here, even just for the one or two that said, I don't know that I've given my life fully and completely to follow Jesus Christ. I don't know if I'm in the lifeboat. I don't know if I know his love in the way that you've described to me this morning. I'm not, certainly not living in the good of it. Just while everyone's got their eyes closed, would you just put your hand up now? We'd love to pray with you and welcome you into the family. Jesus loves you so much. Maybe that picture, that dream was shared just for you this morning. So we'll just give a moment there. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, if you want to find out more about that, please come and uh, speak to me and Kaz or Richard and Rachel down the front here. We'd love to share with you what it means to take some steps in learning to follow Jesus Christ. Great, why don't you just express for a moment, don't worry about the person 